0: episode 24 of the tactical breakdown podcast today's show is all about staying in the fight what you need to be doing to optimize your body and prevent injury let's get into it welcome to 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 the tactical Tactical Breakdown. breakdown a podcast for law enforcement military And emergency response professionals. Stand by. Where we help you bridge the gap and talk training, tactics, and leadership with the best subject matter experts in the world. Here is your host, Adam Kanakin. And we're back on the tactical breakdown. This is episode 24. I have a friend on the show today. His name is Dave Morrow. He is the host and producer of the Hard to Kill podcast, all about tactical fitness and staying in the fight. And that's what today's episode is going to be about. Staying in the fight, injury prevention, and optimizing your body to win. Before we jump into the episode with Dave, I just want to remind everybody that on the last Thursday of every month at 1800 Central, we are going to be running our Instructors Roundtable. It's a live panel discussion with some of the best subject matter experts in the world. This month's episode, when this episode comes out, will be the 30th of January, and our first talk is going to be all about use of force and defensive tactics. So if you're interested in that kind of stuff, join us live on the show, on the live stream, and you will be able to interact directly with the instructors, ask questions, and get answers on the spot. One more thing to mention is that we are now running our gear giveaways that are happening every single month. They're sponsored by our friends at L.A. Police Gear, Blower Tactical, and Patch Panel. These gift bags are worth over $400, and they're going to be going out each and every month to a member of our community. So make sure to get into that draw. You can do that at thebreakdown.ca forward slash contest. Alright, like I said, our guest on today's show is Mr. Dave Morrow. Dave is a veteran of the Canadian Armed Forces, served in Opathena. Dave is a high-performance fitness coach and author of The Nimble Warrior. He's an expert in movement, and what we talk about today is how to recover from injury. He and I have a very similar story when it comes to suffering career-ending back injuries. So we talk about that, we talk about our experiences, and hopefully share some information for you to help you stay in the fight. Let's get into it. Hey Dave, thanks for joining us on the show today. I'm really excited to have you here, my man. Thank you for joining me today. My pleasure. I really appreciate you having me on. So we have a little bit of a similarity, you and I. Uh, We both host podcasts, Yours Hard to Kill podcast. And we both want to give back to the communities that we were involved with. Obviously, both of us were involved with Canadian Forces. But we want to start giving back to, to the men and women who serve. I like to talk to instructors and trainers. I like to give them actionable information. But you, sir... I love your podcast and I love what you're doing because you go right into the weeds and you give people tools and skills to keep themselves physically and mentally in the fight. And that's kind of the whole premise of your show. So what today's podcast is going to be about is keeping warriors in the fight and how we do that. So I'm excited to have you on and I want to jump right into it, man. I want to hear your thoughts when we talk about keeping people in the fight. What is the first step that people have to take? Yeah, well, uh,
1: thanks, Adam. I really appreciate you having me on and appreciate the compliments there. Um, so, yeah, to keep people in the fight, like for me, the reason why I do what I do essentially was because I got injured. Um, I got injured on, in, on tour in 2010 and I didn't really, you know, I was a young buck. I didn't really know what was wrong other than my back was kind of messed up and so I just kind of soldiered on and, and just sucked it up, took pain medications, you know, the the usual. And then when I got home, I was like, man, this isn't going away. What am I going to do? And I, I kept on pushing through, pushing through, pushing through. And eventually led to me not being able to do my job anymore in the infantry. And it eventually led to me being released. And that was disappointing. So it was, for me, the military was that... Thing that I finally found in my, you know, when I was 19, I was never really great at sports. I was okay at school, um, but the military, I really excelled at. So when the time came for me to get released, it was really hard on me because I I, I lost the thing that I was really good at. You know, like I, I made it up to you know, senior NCO, I made it up to sergeant, then commissioned commission. And for all intents and purposes, I was planning on staying in. And the injury kind of really set me back and kind of destabilized me a little bit. And that kind of led me to where I am now because my injury was definitely preventable. Um, double herniation, uh, L5S1, almost one of the most common injuries um, in North America. Um, you know, back pain, you know, in Canada, about a third of Canadians suffer from some sort of back pain. So the unfortunate thing is that mine... Prevented me from doing my job. So like digging and rucksack marching and all that stuff that the infantry has to do. I was just like, man, I can't do this anymore. And the point of what I do now is really to keep guys in the fight and girls in the fight as long as possible through really learning some really basic exercises that I learned on my own and became a personal trainer. I was always in the kind of personal training realm. Um, I always like taking on PT roles, um, you know, at my unit. I would take the leadership uh, role with respect to like putting together PT plans. And so just kind of one thing led to another. And that's where I realized, wait, there's a few really simple things that even an infantry soldier can incorporate into their training plans um, that can prevent them from being, you know, volunteer or not voluntarily released, but um, medically released uh, down the road. And, you know, that pertains to, you know, everybody in the, you know, police or any of the EMS roles. It's these little things that add up and, you know, proper care or prehab, whatever you want to call it, goes a long way to keeping everybody in the fight and protecting the communities and countries that we really um, cherish the most. And we have a ton of pride protecting them. So that's the reason why I do what I do more or less.
0: I think it's really important that because of your background and because you've been in and you served, I feel like it's easier for the men and women who are in uniform to kind of take advice and listen to somebody who's been there, who's done that, who suffered the injuries and is now saying, hey, listen, I obviously didn't do something correctly or something bad happened to me and this is how I got back to it. And I want to help you get back to that max level performance and or as high up as you can provided which injury you had. When you talk about the prehab, it sounds to me like A lot of your program and a lot of what you're teaching people is it's not like you have to have a super regimented, like hard hour and a half PT session every day or every two days. And it's, hey, man, with a little bit of time here and there, you know, you wake up in the morning, you do some stretches, you do some mobility work, you do some of this, you do some of that on, you know, some free time throughout the day, you're going to get a lot of the work done that you need to get done. And it's not going to be that big of a burden on you. So it's easier to do. Does that is that right? Am I on the right track?
1: you you're bang on when it comes to making sure that your body is going to be able to withstand the rigors and the impact that it's going to inevitably be exposed to whether you're a police officer or in the military making sure that you take 10 minutes a day you know 15 minutes a day, it really doesn't matter like, how long your, your period is, but so long as you do something every day to make sure that your body's moving well. So like I give you an example, when, you know, you look at the time you wake up to the time you go to bed, one of the biggest barriers to, let's say barriers to entry to actually starting a PT program, is time right and part of that time is physically getting to where you have to go to train and whatever that you want to call training going for a run or lifting weights that just getting over that hurdle is too much it's like oh, i gotta come home then or uh, pick up my stuff or go straight from work oh, i gotta I pick up the kids Ah, you know what screw it i won't do it but if you break it down into like the smallest component part possible if you don't have the time to let's say spare an hour okay cool can you spare 10 minutes? And that's how I kind of build things around making sure that you're always looking after your body every day. And you know that, that includes things like, um, for me, I, I, I do a simple morning flow every day. It takes me 10 minutes when I wake up. Now, if that's not your jam, you don't like getting up early and doing your thing. Okay, cool. Do you have four minutes to throw in a really quick um, squat workout? If not, hey, are you watching TV today? Probably. Uh, if so, maybe you should be doing the Afghan squat. And like when I'm watching TV with the wife, it's either Afghan squat, like I'm just sitting there in the squat position for as long as possible, or I'm doing the couch stretch So, So like I'm on the couch, but I'm passively, you know, making sure my hips are open. And these are the little things that I think we, we overlook because everything, like you said, it's like, Oh, I don't have an hour. I don't have a half hour, half hour, 45 minutes. I don't have that extended period of time to work on the body. When in fact, if you do little micro workouts, and so um, there's a, Really interesting dude, Pavel Tatsulin, who um, kind of brought kettlebells to North America. So have you ever seen like a kettlebell like workout like for Russian Spetsnaz? Like he he's the one that kind of popularized it here in North America. He has something called like the quick and the dead. And he, he really pushes you know, getting in really short workouts, but multiple times a day. And you're looking at just a volume equation at that point. How much can you fit in in a day? So therefore, how much can you get in a week? How much can you get in a month? And, you know, if it's five minutes every day, as opposed to like, you know, 30 minutes once a week or twice a week, man, you're going to like, you're going to get so much more volume in over a long period of time, which is your body is going to thank you so much that you're, you're inevitably going to get better. And I think that's um, kind of the main message is that every day do some, do a little something and you'll get to that optimal state. In due time, it's a long process, but you just have to accept the fact that that's the case, and you don't have to put in those massive Herculean efforts every, you know, four or five times a week to get better.
0: It's interesting because obviously my release stemmed from a back injury that I suffered as well, so I, I draw a lot of similarities with you. Where you know, you know, I go to the MIR. Okay, well, I'm doing physio every day, but here's your stack of meds that they give you, whether it's uh, opiates or whatever. Nothing after that. It's there's nothing to prevent the next thing from happening. It's oh, you're good. You're okay. Get back in the field. Like you're good now. And to me, it was always like, well, should there maybe be something here where we're able to prevent this from happening again, or maybe do something a little different? And it always it always struck me as interesting that that was never put into place. At least in my experience, is has that been your experience when you were in the forces as well?
1: Oh, hands down. I mean. I just had this conversation on my podcast with um, uh, Dr. Kelly Starette, and looking at, you know, the American armed forces, cause he can speak to that more than um, our armed forces. Um, you know, they have about one athletic therapist per 5,000 troops. So if the goal is to, okay, let's get everybody to see a, like a physical therapist and get them moving better. Well, logistically, that's not possible. So how do you get, people to move better and actually do what they need to do so that they don't get injured and that's a, it's a really interesting conversation And he doesn't have an answer but he does um, make the point that if you learn the very very basics individually can you bring down the rate the the incidence of of injury and the, is it essentially the incidence of medical release and the answer is probably yes you just have to accept the fact that they're you know, the jobs that we do are dangerous and we're going to get injured a lot more than, you know, a civvy doing, you know, a quote unquote regular job that's, you know, non-physical. Um, so can you bring it down from, let's say, you know, if it's, you have an 80% injury, can you bring it down to like 60, can you bring it down to 50, then you're winning. Um, so with that being said, I want to kind of bridge that gap because there was nothing there. I didn't have, anybody kind of showing me what I needed to do. I took it upon myself to learn and it was using um, Kelly Starrett's book, the supple leopard and using his online mobility wad stuff that I started fixing some of the things that were wrong. And so just to, you know, touch up, based on like, you know, going to physiotherapists and stuff like that, they're great because, you know, they address the issue, the acute issue right there and then, and get you moving better again immediately. And they give you a bunch of exercises and you need to do them if you want to get better. However, it's down the line when you stop seeing them and you stop doing the exercise. What are you doing to ensure that you don't, you know, let's say your knee's injured. Well, you know, is your, is your, are you now imposing uh, a stress that's going to make your left hip tight, which is going to maybe, you know, impinge your lower back on your right side? Well, if you don't know that maintaining your body and doing these, you know, particular types of exercises, namely like hitting the foam roller, um, is going to actually prevent that, then you're just gonna go back to your regular patterns and inevitably something is going to break again. So my my goal was to kind of just bridge the gap and and provide just the basics to the, you know, average infantry soldier or literally anybody that's in any one of the, you know, police fields or, you know, military doesn't have to be in the infantry. And just for the population at large what can you do at home that really doesn't require any equipment to make sure that your body is going to be moving better going, you know, into the next 10, 15, 20 years, well into your old age as well. And, you know, just the proofs in putting, like my mother does the exercises that I've uh, written about in my book and they help. Like it's just, it's just human movement. We just don't know much about it. So bridging that gap. Um, and for us to being reservists, man, I, I, like the only doctor I ever saw was when I was injured and I was about to get released. Um, and it was all pain meds and just, you know, suck it up and, and keep on taking your Percocets. And that to me wasn't a solution. So it's really putting in the hard work, putting in the effort and, and getting your movement down pat. And then learning about how your body is supposed to move is so critically important. And that's kind of where I, I'm I'm filling a gap.
0: I'm really excited because I'd like to tabletop this with you and and kind of go through a scenario and and give the the person listening to this who maybe is coming off of an injury just having experienced an injury or prior to having an injury to give them the knowledge beforehand so let's say i'm i'll just use a personal example so i go out to a field x and all of a sudden i've now fallen and i end up compressing a disc uh, say my t11 or something t11 t12 so i've mm-hmm. compressed my disc I've gone to the doctor they've checked me out medically medically cleared now I'm into physio and all that kind of stuff the first thing that I do when I get home should be what
1: yeah that's that's a great question now yeah I just want to preface this that you know I'm not a physical therapist um, you know I'm a I'm a PT coach essentially um, but what I do specialize in is, is movement so first and foremost is like whatever the you know physio or athletic therapist is prescribing you they're they're getting you moving right to start like that is going to be like step number one most of us i I don't know the stats on this but um, i know i was guilty of it too like you get your exercises and like you got to do them every day and you're like yep cool got it and you might, yeah, you, yeah, you know, okay. you might be like, you might be like sixty percent compliant, like on a good week. And then when you show back up, are you doing exercises? Like, yeah, yeah, I'm doing them all 100%. the time. They're um, yeah. <laughs> like, well, you're not moving as well as you should be. It's like, oh, that's weird. It must be a lot worse than I thought. But, um, uh, yeah, to touch base on, like, let's say, uh, like a thoracic spine injury. Um, what tends to happen whenever you get injured, right. Um, is that there's a, there's a response around that injury to protect it. Um, and a compressed disc, like for me, like I had herniated disc, anytime you're dealing with the posterior chain and you're dealing with the back, especially, um, it's, it sucks because all around it, like I call it the neighbors that you're going to end up feeling something either upstream or downstream of that injury. So whether it's neck tightness and headaches or lower back pain, These are going to be things or shoulder pain. These are things that are going to happen. And in order to kind of clear them out, what I tend to prescribe is if somebody's like, that comes to me and I have clients that have back issues. Okay, I go through a screen. So the movement screen is um, something that was developed years ago. And essentially I use the squat as a really good indicator of how you're moving and an arms overhead test. So if you can just picture putting your arms directly over your head with your thumbs pointed back behind you. Can you do that properly? Now, if you're really, um, impinged or if you're really tight in a thoracic spine due to injury, there might be some indicators that you're not, your shoulders, because of the way they're moving, you're really tight in that one area and then we can address it. So my main, um, you know, screens are the squat and, and the overhead test with your, with your arms, um, kind of, you know, pointed. Behind you and trying to get them clo- as close to your ear as possible. If you do things like if your rib cage flares out, um, or if you're you know your traps engage and you start pulling them towards your ears, that's that that shows me like okay, well there's something that's not moving properly. Let's go down the chain a little bit more. And um, typically I'll have you know, clients uh, do kind of like a warm up exercise um, to kind of get the the T spine moving properly or, you know, a lumbar spine moving, moving properly, and then start addressing it with some self myofascial release. So that's just a fancy term for massage, man. Like that's, that's all it comes down to. Um, when you go to a massage therapist, if you've ever been, man, it feels super good after it's because they're, you know, if we want to call them knots, they're making sure that fascia. So that's kind of like the connective tissue that binds us all together. And that's something that finally we're getting a grip of how it works in our body. Like imagine, you know, every piece of muscle, there's fascia that essentially connects it all together. Um, and I'm not talking about tendons or ligaments or anything like that. Um, it's really like a connective glue. So the the analogy I use is if you have like a big shrub outside your house and if you guys have ever seen you know like that spider webby stuff that kind of goes all over the shrub sometime i think it's a little uh, a little worm that that makes all that that web that's kind of like your fascia and if that's not moving in the right direction so like let's say you know you have a tightness just above your knee um, you know or let's use the example of you know your t spine let's say that's tight well Everywhere else downstream and upstream is going to feel that tightness. So to get it moving properly, you need to dig in either the foam roller, the lacrosse ball, um, whatever you can find to make that pain face, which is unpleasant. But what it's doing is it's slowly releasing that, that tension in that fascia so that you can actually regain motion. So the T-spine is a really common one. So many people are just locked up and infantry guys are really locked up. Because of wearing rucksacks and having weight in the front of us for so long, a lot of our thoracic spine area is just A, not strong and B, um, not after, you know, that decade of just pounding the pavement and throwing rucksacks on, just not able to move properly. And then that can lead to an injury like a, like a compressed disc or a herniated disc. So it's important to kind of understand where your, how your entire kinetic chain works and then how to how to fix it, and a lot of times it's really just getting a foam roller in or getting the lacrosse ball in, and just going to work, going to town, and just being in pain, and it sucks, but it works. I can I can attest to it. It works.
0: It sounds like the kind of the underlying thing to all of this is that the person who's injured, if if you're sitting there and you're injured one of the first things you need to do is kind of educate yourself as to exactly what's going on, whether that's asking your doctor, asking your physical therapist or whoever, hey, what's actually happening and and getting the information? Because if you don't have it, like right now, you gave a fantastic explanation of what is going on, right? Right down to like, this is what's happening inside your body. People sometimes don't get that. Sometimes they're just like, oh yeah, your back's injured. You have to do this. You have to take that. And they And like when we talk about training... We always talk about the we try to get people to understand the why behind things, not just this is. Yeah, sure. This is how you do it. Okay, so this is how this is why this is how you clear your weapon. Okay, I get how to clear it. But why are you clearing it? Right. Same thing with the body. You're doing this exercise. But if you understand the why, then you maybe start to become honest with yourself about maybe this thing isn't going to fix itself. Maybe I actually have to put in some positive work here to, to make a change, to, to get better. That's what, that's kind of what this sounds like to me.
1: That's exactly what it is. And I was totally guilty of that. When my back was hurt, I just thought not doing deadlifts and not really training hard and just, you know, taking her easy was the solution. And once I got to the point where I just had my son, he was about two months old and I had, I, I was teaching at the time at a high school, my back completely seized up. Like I was, it's it kind of funny, but uh, kind of shitty at the same time. I, I was literally putting on my pants and um, I just locked up and like uh, my buddies were around me like, Dave, you doing okay? And I was just like, yeah, I think I'll be okay. And I'm just dying. I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying to grab onto stuff. I'm, I'm lying down on the floor at this point and like the bell rings and I'm, I have to go upstairs and start teaching 12 year olds, you know, I'm like, oh no. Like, what do I do? And I'm sweating like a pig. And I was just panicked at that point because I'd never experienced this before. And I got through the day and it was pure agony. And I got home and then I was stuck in bed. I had to take a week off work. And at that moment I said, well, it's not work that bothers me so much. It's the fact that I know I'm a dad now. And I'm literally useless. And my, my mentality is kind of like, well, if I can't defend my family, like, what am, what am I doing right now? Like, I'm a burden more than anything else. And my wife really had to help me out. And that sucked for her as well because we have a newborn. So I said, okay, I think I'm smart enough to figure this out, but it's going to take a while. So my first step was just accepting the fact that, yeah, I'm, I'm not good. And what I've been doing is clearly not working. So I need to change. And then my next step was to find a coach and my coach. Um, so shout out to LP from CrossFit to the West, um, was just the right guy for me at the right time. And we just progressed through a series of exercises that really helped me build myself from literally the ground up up, man like I was on the ground pretty much every day doing exercises that seemed easy but building up over time and doing them every day built the foundation that I have now and allows me to be confident to coach other people in the future um, with respect to especially back injuries because I know what it's like like I, I know what was wrong I know where I need to focus and where I need to focus on clients that are expressing um, the same kind of um, symptoms. So, yes, to answer your question, you need to be able to own your injury. It's yours. It's nobody else's. And you have to start learning like you're going to school. And once you once you start going down that path, you'll open up a bunch of different gates, and you'll be in control. And it won't be the you know the therapists that are in control. You'll have the power. And there's so much information out there now. And it's in your best interest to go out there and, and, and get it. Cause you know what, when you go to your therapist, you're like, yeah, but I've been doing this and I have, you know, this issue still, and it's not resolving itself. Can we, you know, do X, Y, Z protocol? I, I saw it, I started working on it. It feels good. Can we, a therapist that's worth his, you know, weight and anything, will gladly listen to that and offer his opinion or her opinion and and move forward with you. And that's where I like a guy like um, Kelly Sturette, who really democratized that whole process when dealing with uh, an athletic therapist. He just took what he was doing as an athletic therapist and put it on YouTube. And he just opened up this whole world. Now, you have to be careful, obviously, when dealing with somebody that is not necessarily an athletic therapist. You don't want people, you know, uh, doing adjustments and, and mobilizations, you know, on you that isn't, aren't qualified. But those individuals like myself that have gone through the studying that have been to the injuries that have actually uh, taken the time to, to learn. Um, you know, I think that's where um, for anybody that works with me, that's where they, they get the value add. Um, it's not just about, you know, getting stronger and getting to, into the gym and deadlifting again. It's, it's really about understanding why they're injured, because once you understand the why, like you said, you can go forward and just crush it because you'll have that that insight, that knowledge that'll last you the rest of your life. And when something goes wrong, you'd be like, yeah, check. I know what I did wrong. I was an idiot, but I'm going to fix it. And this is how I did it last time. And this is what's going to work again. And that just makes life so much better.
0: It's funny. I, I'm i just getting all these flashbacks and having this conversation with you. Um, I remember when I first, the, the first time that I injured my back really severely, um, I was laid up in bed for about two months to the point where, you know, I was either on, on the bed or on the couch. And then once I was finally up and, and able to get out to physio every every week, um, most of my downtime was spent researching how the hell do I fix what's going on? Um, and because, like you said, some people work within their wheelhouse. People do what they're comfortable with. So if you have a, a therapist who is very used to dealing with one certain type of injury or um, a modality of injury or something... They may be. They may not have heard about some new technique or research that's come out. <clears throat> excuse me. That you know, you found uh, like you maybe you talked to somebody else who had a similar injury, and they said, "Oh well, my my PT gave me this exercise to do. Why don't you try it?" And then you can take that to to your therapist and say, "Hey, this is. I heard of this. Can you do some research on it? And and maybe we can try it." And it's it's really a cooperative effort between you and your medical team to get you where you need to go because it let's let's be honest the only person who's going to know if you're 100 is you if there is there's no medical tests to say hey you're good to go I mean I can speak personally to that I still have um, permanent nerve damage in my back I still experience pain every morning when I wake up and it's not it's it won't go away um, I'm lucky enough that I have a, a one of the best neurosurgeons in the country he's part of my family And we've done MRIs. He's done the tests. He's like, this ain't going away. He's like, you can stretch. You can, you can work out. You can do anything you want. It's, it's, you know, it's a permanent nerve injury. I'm like, okay. But you learn to mitigate that. But unless you have the information and the knowledge, you're, you're kind of shooting in the dark. So I find that really interesting. And I agree with you hundred percent is that you, people need to start taking responsibility for their own rehab. And if you don't, you're not going to get back to where you want to be. 100%. That um, That's kind of the, I guess, the biggest shift that at
1: least, I shouldn't say I've been seeing so far, but definitely the one that I'm, I'm most interested in is you can't possibly have a therapist for everybody. Um, it's just not going to happen. Like I said, in the States, it's like one to 5,000. It's, it's just not going to happen. So the idea that you're responsible for your own, physical well-being is not something foreign, but when it comes to injury prevention, it seems like it's always been in the domain of the specialist, right? The 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 doctor or one of the, you know, your athletic therapist, whatever it is, that, the therapist that you're seeing, when in fact, like they're the experts that are going to guide you to your next optimal state. But some injuries, like you said, you're, you have a nerve injury, you know, you can do all the foam rolling you want. It's not going to fix it. But knowing that, okay, there's a certain component that I can control. And inevitably, there'll probably be something that you know, a protocol that you know that you do that actually helps with the pain and just making sure you can move better. That's something you can do the rest of your life. But it may have to come about through just trial and error. Um, because like you said, like, you know your body better than anybody else. You know, there's, there's no therapist that can say, well, they can say like, hey, you're moving a lot better. Are you ready to start doing you know, more PT, are you ready to start playing sports again, which is the right question. And then it's up to you to say like, well, you know what, I'm going to give it a shot. And I'm going to see how I feel. And, you know, I'm going to test it out. Because let's be honest, most of us aren't elite level athletes. But when we're in the forces, or you're in the police force, you know, for short bouts of time, when things get real, man, you're operating at a an elite level when it comes to athleticism, you know, the running, the jumping, the sprinting, the shooting, if you have to shoot, like all these skills, man, your body's got to be rock solid. Like you got to, you got to be operating at a very high level because, you know, an athlete goes into a game, he or she knows that they're going to play a game right now. So they get themselves ready. Like they're good to go. Like they know they're going to be doing a certain job, but you know, when you go to your, your job and from day to day, you don't know if it's going to, get real all of a sudden you don't know if there's bullets that are going to be flying over your head all of a sudden so you have to react instantly and you may not be warm you may not be warm you know so it's really important that your body is is able to adapt really quickly and you got to have that you know base layer of athleticism plus another few levels higher than just the average civilian on the street because uh, your body's expected to perform at a much higher level and and do your job at a much higher level when when the
0: time comes it's interesting you bring that up. I've always preached anytime I do a defensive tactics class or a program that officers, I don't care if you're a police officer or you're in the military or security personnel, corrections, sheriffs, doesn't matter. You basically go the flash to bang on things for you is, is almost instant, right? You're talking with somebody and all of a sudden now you're in a fight. The human body is amazing, right? We have our sympathetic nervous system, and it will it will do a lot of the work for you in terms of energy and aggression. You know, you get your your epinephrine, norepinephrine, and your body seems like it's functioning at a super high level uh, until the the incident or the fight is over, and now your body's trying to get back to homeostasis, and you're like, oh, I didn't realize because of the amount of adrenaline going through my body that I just tore. Everything like mm. I just I overstretched or I damaged this or I damaged that because even though my body was capable of doing it, it was only capable of doing it for a short period of time. And when we're talking about our, our men and women in, in law enforcement, especially that are on 12 hour shifts that are responding to these types of calls, two, three, four, ten 10 times a night it takes a massive massive toll on your body it takes and and to think that you can go about just relying on you know these little dumps of adrenaline to keep you in the fight you're it's it's going to be a sad day when you find out that that's not the case and hopefully it doesn't result in that officer being hurt or killed so i think that's also an important thing to to point out is that you know our bodies are amazing they they can do amazing things but we have to be able to take care of it and we have to preemptively train our bodies so that we can have long and successful careers no matter in what we're doing. So
1: um, whether you're a police officer or firefighter, or, you know, infantry soldier, it doesn't matter to be able to get to that really high threat level response action and be able to function and be able to breathe and think you know, if you can't get to your objective essentially, and and be able to maintain, you know, the power output for X amount of time, you know, you're you're not going to be able to do your job so well, and a job as well as as someone else who's been training hard and has been taking care of themselves and has been working on their mobility and has been working on their strength and conditioning. Um, and you know, the worst thing, you know, for us was like, you don't want to be just a, you don't want to be a casualty. Because you didn't put in the work, you know, like when we're on patrol in Afghanistan, the last thing I ever wanted was to go down with like heat injury, you know, that's, that's totally preventable. Um, And that, you know, it it really comes down to conditioning. And if you can get from point A to point B and engage your target and you still got gas and you're still in the fight and your head's clear, well, that's, you know, that's, that's the side that I like to focus on, you know, like that's what I can help with. Once you get to like the actual trigger pulling and stuff like that, that's somebody else altogether, but making sure that you're fit and making sure that you take it seriously, like it's, you know, life or death literally, um, and part of your, part of your daily habits, man, like I I always took it seriously in the military and I still take it seriously now, even though I'm out. Um, I, I kind of, Joe Rogan mentioned it and that made me feel a lot better. He says, he's like, man, when I'm in the gym, he's like, I think I really messed up stuff. He's like, I think of like people trying to like hurt my kids or like murder my wife. And he's like, it gets me angry. I'm like, Oh, thank God. He said that, man. I I've been thinking about that for like years and it fires me up. Um, just to make me do a little bit more. Um, so, you know, that's where kind of like the hard to kill philosophy comes from. You know, like I don't want to be stuck in a situation where I need a little bit more gas. or I need a little bit, if I had a little bit more strength, I'd be able to get over that wall. Like I want to know that I have the skills to be able to do it. And I want, I have the strength to do it and the endurance to do it as well. So that applies to everybody in our in our type of work that, you know, if you're, if you're prepared, if you're physically prepared and you, you're basically a generalist because that's what we're talking about here. We're not talking about, you know, power lifters or anything like that. We're talking about generalists. If you can be a good generalist and you can, uh, you know, climb a rope, do a pull up, you know, get up off the ground really fast, sprint, you know, that's ninety percent of what you need to be able to do. All the other things like moving well and stuff like that will just allow you to do it faster and with less injury.
0: When we talk about being combat effective and we talk about staying in the fight and not taking yourself out of the fight, like you said, there is there are a lot of components to that, and at the end of the day you're kind of you're responsible for it i that's the way i feel anyway is even though I'm, I'm learning all these different skills and doing all these different types of training at the end of the day you're you're the one putting it all together in your body in in your one specific package that works best for you so when we talk about staying combat effective especially let's let's just go right into the physical portion of it what are some things that people can be doing to remain combat effective if they're you know they're they're sticking with their usual pt and stuff like that with their units or with their agencies Um, but what are some things that people can do on their own or should be doing on their own in terms of workouts or variations of different types of things is there kind of do you have something that you would recommend to almost anybody to be doing or is it too specific per person to to be able to generalize it
1: no, we can definitely generalize. Um, I, uh, I build most programs off of a few pillars. And so I'll just name the, the, I guess the the three main ones essentially is, um, you know, movement, strength and conditioning and nutrition. And I'll kind of make nutrition slash sleep as well. Um, so we want to say four pillars. Sure. Um, everybody can get a grip of their nutrition. Um, that's, that's one of the main kind of sticking points for a lot of people. If you can establish a good set of habits with respect to your nutrition, especially with guys that are getting a bit older, like I'm getting close to 40 and what happens as you get older is that you start seeing a dip in testosterone. You might get a little bit paunchier. You start losing a little bit of energy, a little bit of muscle mass. You're not as fired up as you used to be. Uh, You're not thinking as clearly. You probably have kids that's messing up your sleep cycle things are starting to, I wouldn't say deteriorate, but you're not living optimally. So the first thing would just be, if you gain a you know, a, a half-decent grasp of your nutritional habits, you're going to feel more in control and you'll probably control uh, your insulin levels. If you start controlling insulin levels, um, you start putting on less fat. Less fat means you're going to have more access to the testosterone, less cortisol. You're going to just feel better. And if we can get that testosterone level regulated for us guys anyways – Man, you're going to feel a lot better. And so that can primarily be sorted out just through nutrition. So that would be kind of like the first step. Then after that, you want to make sure that you're moving well. So making sure that you can actually squat well and you can hinge well and you can push and pull well. These are all things that I think a lot of us, because, you know, high school is kind of like where we learn all of our major physical, uh, movement skills, um, uh, at speed, you know, you go from elementary school, you're kind of messing around and then all of a sudden you start playing like varsity sports and then it starts getting real. But if you didn't really have anybody to show you like, Hey, you like, you don't, you're not actually running very efficiently or, you know, you're, you're not able to kind of hinge at the hips. And that's kind of the main thing I see with a lot of people is that we've taken out our hips from daily life. Like we sit a ridiculous amount of time during the day. I think it's something like six to seven hours a day. We're we're in a seated position Our hips are turned off. So when you tell somebody, okay, hinge at the hips, most people I see actually bend at the knees and they don't even have that neural connection to push their ass back so that their hips actually flex. So that's that's another big thing too, just how does my body move and what am I doing that I could change so that I can actually start moving better and be in less pain. And like, I'll give you an example for me my right knee was one of the reasons why I left the forces as well. So I had the back injury, but my right knee was just a mess. And um, going upstairs was brutal. And I wasn't even 30 yet. And I was just like, oh, I'm like, well, you know what, everybody in my family, and this is how I justified it. We have bad knees. We're just a bad knee family. So you know what, this is me now, Like this is my life, and I just have to suck it up. And again, it was uh, watching Kelly Sturetza video. And he just talked about torque. And you know, when he stepped, onto something you know where's your knee position be conscious of it and so i just started doing that and i realized well my glute so like my my big old butt isn't doing any work it was just this like piece of meat on me that was really not doing anything so i started engaging that so that's another thing that um is really important is to start engaging the things that may not be engaged because of habits that you've established for 15 20 years You know, and then, and then lastly is really adding in the strength and conditioning. So, um, I think a lot of people now, I think that the, the high intensity, um, training style, which was popularized by CrossFit, which I love, um, it it just has taken hold. And I think because it's so trendy and, and because it's so sexy to see people doing a tremendous amount of volume, I think people either get scared or they get really excited and, um, you know, they're scared because they can't, they're like, I just know why I can do that. So I just won't try at all. Or they're super excited and then maybe they used to be an athlete and then they try too much and then they, they get injured. Um, you have to find the sweet spot in there. So, you know, uh, for me, it's really instructing just the basic movements that you learn without any weight and then adding a little bit of weight and seeing, um, how you move through those patterns under load. Once you can move well under load, like you can have all the sexy workouts in the world and all the sexy movements that, you know, people show on Instagram. But at the end of the day, like, are you putting in the volume? Are you putting in the work? Cool. It, it, it you know, the little tweaks here and there are literally just that, like, there's no point playing around the edges. Like, can you deadlift? Cool. Can you squat? Can you front squat? Cool. You know, can you do a half decent bench press or shoulder press? Cool. Cool. Everything else is gravy, you know. Whether you can do an Olympic lift, that's you know for another day. But at, at the end of the day, if you can move well and you can do it under load, and then add some speed and add some power, man, you're you're crushing it. And it doesn't have to be complicated. Like for me, my favorite thing at my place, I have a nice setup um, outside. I have a one of those big tractor tires. I have two really heavy kettlebells and I have a chin up bar. If you have that. You can rule the world. Like you don't need anything else. It's 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 really simple. And that's what I try to preach as much as possible. Keep it simple, stupid, and you'll be good to the rest of your life.
0: I think that also tracks back to what you were saying before. Um, you know, for people coming off injury is to start small, right? Do things right. Even if it means that you have a bar without any plates on it, that and you have to get a handle on the movement and do the movement correctly before you start putting load on. Because if you start off with with load and you're doing it incorrectly, you're you're pretty much screwed yourself from the get go. And obviously, it's funny. I mean, I mean, everybody listening to this has probably seen the people in the gym uh, that you look at them and you're like, you kind of want to step in and be like, please don't do that. You're going to hurt yourself. <laughs> like, like I can't watch you, but I'm going to watch you because I'm going to see if you drop this thing on your face. But I like, I am I going to help? Am I not? Like, we, you know what I'm talking about? Of
1: course. Of course. The. um. Yeah, the biggest the biggest thing is again making sure that you get those basic movement patterns down really well, and you address any of those major issues before you start adding load. There's some things you can add a little bit of load to that don't require you know a, you know a, a massive amount of training. You know, like anybody can do a farmer's walk and put some weight in their hands and, and walk around. You know, like there's all kinds of different progressions. Um, but you know, at, at the end of the day, you want to make sure that you're just moving well in general because how many times do you get you do a squat every day and people don't realize but every time you get out of a chair man you're doing a squat and imagine every time during your life you do that squat a little bit shitty and so therefore every time you stand up you're training in a little bit of dysfunction and that dysfunction over time just like if you're training in a a good movement pattern will become ingrained and then you know you go to jump you go sorry you go to jump And, uh, you know, you you tear an ACL or you land improperly because you just don't have the right movement patterns. And before you know it, you get old and then your tissue isn't moving properly. And that's how you incur injuries over time. And that's what we want to avoid.
0: It's funny. I never get to use this quote. Well, sometimes I do, but practice makes permanent. Everybody always says practice makes perfect. I always like to say practice makes permanent. If you keep practicing, but you're doing it wrong, you're going to (laughs) permanently ingrain something into your motor function that's going to be incorrect. Oh, yeah. so
1: Oh, yeah. Hands down. I mean, an example I'll use is uh, when I was coaching track and field uh, when I was um, at the high school I was at. So I I never did track when I was in high school. So I was a runner, I guess you could call me that. I've done a bunch of half marathons and triathlons and stuff. but Uh, you know, other than what I did in the military, that was like, I guess the most I ever did as a track athlete, if you want to call it that. Um, so I took my team out just to see how guys moved and, uh, just, I took it for granted. I'm like, all right, guys, uh, we're just going to do like, you know, just 70, 80% of max effort. Um, you know, 25 yards, um, let's warm up, let's go. And I was filming them and I was watching them and I was blown away that a handful of them, when I say don't know how to run, like they weren't running like a human being. I'd never seen this before, you know, like arms at their side, you know, like not extending uh, or not not engaging their hips. Not I, I was just blown away at how varied running was with a group of you know anywhere between twelve and sixteen year olds, and. Clearly that pattern had been ingrained because when do you start to learn how to run? Like my son's three. Like I, I think he started like last year, like just before he was two years old, like going, like he's, he's, he's fast. So that means for over 10, 15 years, they've been running improperly. That's, and and just, how do you, I, I just find it, um, I find it fascinating that you can actually run incorrectly just right out of the gate. Um, it's just, it just it's like, can you, uh, and, and and that just kind of led me down this whole other like uh, avenue of study. It's just like, now when I, I look at people just walking towards me, I see them walking imp- incorrectly. And I'm like, oh man, I'm like, that, that it's everywhere. And, you know, running is just a, an example, like a higher end example is if you're not walking properly, you're not going to run properly. If you're not going to run properly, you're probably not going to squat properly. And then what other things are you not doing properly, and how's that going to affect your life moving down the road? So, it's really, um, yeah, it's it's really important to kind of get that message out, and that's pretty much why I wrote the book as well, which was to um, to just get the message across in as simple a format as possible, so that it's not too daunting, and you know, you don't have to buy like a you know thousand dollar like coaching package to just get better at being a human. Like that's basically what it comes down to.
0: Let's talk about your book for a second. So the book's titled The Nimble Warrior, written by you. What's uh What's the book about? If somebody's going to pick this thing up, what, are the, what can they expect when they uh, pick up your book?
1: Yeah, well, you're going to move better. Um, and by moving better, you're going to increase performance and then hopefully prevent injuries. Um, and everything I do in there is really based on what I did to get myself from stuck in bed to moving and you know, competing in sports and doing CrossFit and doing all the stuff I like. So, you know, most people aren't starting from I'm stuck in bed. What do I do? Most people are just like, ah, my hip hurts. Ah, My knee hurts. Ah, My back hurts. How do I get this moving better and actually being in less pain? And that's where the book uh, fills that gap without having to go necessarily see your physiotherapist or see a chiropractor or whatever it may be it's simple at home exercises that you know like i said my mom does them there's no age restriction on this um you know if you have a lacrosse ball or a tennis ball or a foam roller or anything that can give any resistance whatsoever you can do these exercises and that was the point and it 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 came about actually I, i did a seminar at one of the uh reserve units here and i just asked which part of the seminar they liked best. And they said all oh, this injury prevention stuff, because there's a bunch of uh, new troops uh, about to go in their infantry course. So I said, okay, cool. I'll put together like a four page PDF and I'll send it off to you boys and uh, and girls. And you know what? Uh, enjoy. And four pages turned into 10, 20, 30. And I was just like, oh, I need more context, need more context. And then that's kind of how the book was born. And uh, that's it. Like it's, it's, it, it was never intended to be kind of a published book, but now that it is, um, I'm glad it's been uh, having a positive impact on, uh, you know, not just uh, veterans, but also, you know, active duty personnel. And, um, you know, I'd love to see it in more police officers' hands as well. Just, you know, because with a police officer, man, uh, you know, a bunch of my buddies have cops. Man, there's so much sitting in that cruiser. I can only imagine going from zero to 100 with your gear on and trying to get out. Like that mustn't be easy. So, you know, if you can just move a little bit better, the chances of getting injured on, um, on a call are probably a lot less.
0: That's awesome. And if people want to find out more about ju- not even just the book, but if they go to your website and they go to hardtokillprograms.com to and we'll make sure we have the links in the show notes page so everybody can find it. You also have some uh, online programs and because this episode now is coming out uh, in January, it's the beginning of the year. Uh, you have some special programs that you're gonna be running for everybody, so why don't you tell everybody about that?
1: Yeah, sure. Um so the um the cool thing about what I decided to do, which was go into the online space predominantly from my coaching business rather than do it face to face, has been that I get to really touch base and, and you know, train individuals from across Canada and even internationally, which has really been cool because Whether you're Canadian, American, British, you know the job is the job, and um, so the bulk of my programs are you know all online, and the one that I'm going to be uh, doing a special promo on is called the Beast, Um, and it's a 12 week program. It includes training, nutrition, mindset, and the point of it is to get you beast level strong. I want more individuals going through the program. I want to perfect it as much as possible. So, yes, there's a bit of a I guess a lab rat type uh, effect going on here for those that are going to be uh taking on the course, but um it's a I have individuals doing it right now and they are they're really getting good results and I want to I, I want to really um Drill down and kind of iterate that as much as possible. So, in January, you'll see the beast at uh, hardtokillprograms.com. Uh, it com be a nice big fat discount, and um, that that's a twelve week program, like I said. And um, you can also contact me, you know, through my Facebook page um, or join my Facebook group, um, which is Hard to Kill uh, Programs on Facebook, and uh, that would be the best way to get a hold of me and get some more info on that as well.
0: That's awesome. So, if you are listening to this. Make sure you go to Um, So uh, really excited too. Dave, I'm going to have the opportunity to, uh, or I had the opportunity to be on your podcast. Um, I always love talking to you, man. We do have a lot in common, and uh, I know this is going to be a, uh, a lifelong friendship that we have. So keep doing what you're doing uh, with your podcast, with your training. Uh, thank you for what you are doing and helping uh, the men and women in uniform uh, to stay in the fight and to uh, become harder to kill, man. So thank you for being here. Thank you for uh, jumping on the show with us. Appreciate it. Um, Thanks for having me on, buddy. All right, man, we'll talk soon. All right. That wraps up our conversation with Dave. If you want to learn more about what Dave's doing, whether with the hard to kill podcast or with his training programs, visit the show notes page at the breakdown.ca forward slash 024 or check out the show notes on your podcast player. While you're on that player, consider subscribing to the podcast if you like what you're hearing, if you're finding it actionable and useful. Again, make sure to jump on our gear giveaway at thebreakdownca forward slash contest and join us for the instructors roundtable coming out live Thursday, January 30th, 2020. We'll see you next time on the tactical breakdown. Stay safe.